I was in an industry where nobody had, there was no into switch that done something similar mm. or, you know, whatever. Mm. There were no banks before that, you know, gone. Well, maybe I just didn't research enough to know what, what, mm. what had gone wrong or what could mm. go wrong. But we were attempting things that we needed way more capital than we had. It's the classical boil in the ocean. Choose your battles. Maybe we should have chosen 10 companies or 20 companies and focus squarely on them and giving them the product for free or cooperatives or something. My father told me life is not a bed of roses. You gotta put your way to the plow, do the work to smell the roses. This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true. Asking the how, the what, the when, and the why. I'm Oshaya, and on this episode, Abolore Salami shares his origin story and mission to help people create a financially secure future through Rebi, a fintech company. Growing up, many of us would remember the Ajo, Isusu, and other cooperative societies that their parents and grandparents participated in, which helped them with their needs and financial management. Those cooperatives still exist today, even at our workplaces. Both old and young, banked and unbanked, participate in cooperatives as they are based on the powerful idea that together, a group of people can achieve goals that none of them could achieve alone. But the processes of these cooperatives are largely manual with an informal structure. That's why they are often marred by a number of disadvantaging factors such as scam, embezzlement, and trust issues. Now, with the tech revolution, Imagine a company trying to help automate the processes of cooperative societies towards building more millionaires in Nigeria and Africa. And you have a Rebi. Rebi is focused on helping Nigerians save, invest, and become millionaires. Today, Rebi has over 300,000 signups across Nigeria, including the North, with a target of 1.5 million signups. But before all that, did Salami as a young boy have any inkling that he'll be starting his own company? I mean, not necessarily start a company. Uh, maybe I didn't even know it's a company, but I, I had uh, um, a clear understanding pretty much towards the end of my secondary school, uh, secondary school days that I was going to be creating solutions you know technically specific type of solutions um, if that you know how that became me running a company uh, it's a different story okay so not necessarily i didn't i didn't think i was gonna i didn't i wasn't uh, a 12 year old trading stocks or thinking i was gonna, <laughs> gonna start a company no i wasn't now salami was a pretty regular secondary school student although he wasn't crystal clear on his career path then uh, i didn't know maybe i wanted to be an engineer maybe i wanted to be a doctor I, I wasn't that wasn't really clear salami had gone into abafemia lower university wanting to study medicine as he had had an idea i had an idea you know wanted to manufacture medical equipment you know because i don't like people being sick but he in nigerian youth speak 
was given microbiology. I did want to study medicine, but not to become a doctor. I was studying medicine because I wanted to manufacture medical equipment. And I thought I needed to do medicine, engineering, and then go on to manufacture medical equipment. Okay. Then you found yourself in microbiology. Did you feel discouraged about it or sad? A, a little or... bit, but not so much, you know, because uh, for me, it wasn't, the price wasn't being a doctor. The price was something else. So I just took it as a step in the, you know, in the journey that I expected to be a long journey. Okay. Uh, but I'm grateful that that actually happened because... That you I'd, studied microbiology. That I studied microbiology or that I studied any course for that matter. Okay. Because <laughs> what I'm, you know, apparently the path I was on didn't need any course. Uh, in fact, I needed a university education, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily need it in any particular mm. subject. Um, if there's such a course today to be called a bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship, <laughs> right? And I don't think there is one. So it wasn't really important what course I studied at the end of the day. Uh, what was important was going through that learning process. But more importantly, I'm happy that I didn't get accepted into medicine uh, because then my first year, which changed everything, I realized that to be an entrepreneur, you needed to have the right mindset and you needed to be working with the right people. Um, and that's not, and for me, entrepreneurship is not running a business. Entrepreneurship is finding solution to really important problems and seeing it through to the end with very limited resources in some cases. Um, and that was, you know, what happened in my first year. I, I got stuck on the clarity of what it is to be an entrepreneur. And that's what it's been ever since. If I'd been to, if I'd gotten into medicine, I probably have wasted seven years trying to, you know, learn a subject I wouldn't really need. In 2004, while still in 100 level, Salami had a light bulb moment or critical moment in the path to discovery, as he likes to call it, following which it became crystal clear on what he wanted to do. Um, there was a program called Youth Entrepreneurship Program. This was 2004, um, run by a man called Abiodun Adijola. Um, and that's why things like this are very important. He ran that program, I think, for multiple years and allowed a lot of people to see into themselves where they want to go, who they want to be. Um, two things happened. Number one, I learned about entrepreneurship and how to be an entrepreneur, writing a business plan, drawing up financial models. Um, now I, do, I use Excel. Now I actually don't do it at all. I just sit with my team and we scope it out. But I mean, for 12, 15 years, I got into a clear mind as to you know, how to draw financial models for pretty much anything you want to do. Because if a man wants to build a house, he must first sit and... Uh-huh. Count the cost. Uh, learned about writing business plans, you know, thinking your, thinking through the end-to-end of your plan, what you want to do. So that was the first step, that whole learning process. The second step was then, um, I think that was even the more important one. The technical skills you could learn, but the seeing the vision of where you're going is even more important than the technical skills. And that happened in something very interesting, something... Um, you know, that is almost, I, I, I think is almost spiritual, mm. you know, so it was an exercise. You close your eyes for one minute and you try to connect with yourself, you know, you're more, more like this yoga, your subconscious, kind of event, your subconscious. And where are you in a, in a certain future date to kind of see that as your guiding light to where you really want to go uh, in the future. Yeah. And, and that was, um. Those two things, I think, were my critical lighting bulb moments. So what did you see? Uh, I saw two things. First, I saw my family. 
I saw that I had, you know, I was married with kids. Family is very important. So those are my, <laughs> the two sides of my coin. Okay. And second, I saw that I, and this was 2004, 16, 17 years ago. I saw that I had um, my, my, my path as a, um, my professional path, my work path, my work life was that of a, not necessarily an entrepreneur, more like a, a business builder as opposed to a business owner. Okay. Yes, owning businesses, yes, but more supporting other entrepreneurs, working with other entrepreneurs, working with, you know, the community, working with systems to build a, you know, a prosperous community, you know, a prosperous country. Um, and so everything I do, apparently I see myself somehow mm. tilting towards that direction. It's not just about me and what business I want to do, but how many people am I working with? How many businesses am I supporting? And this is what I've, okay. um, has pretty much been happening. Uh, for me. And so you had this dream in your first year. Yeah, and awaken, staying awake, dream, in, in, doing the daydream. <laughs> daydream, if you put it that way. Okay. I and wasn't then, asleep, I was mm, wide awake. Interesting. Yeah. Were you still able to focus in focus on your microbiology degree after you had this clarity on what you were supposed to do or I don't so that, know? That's why I said I graduated in my first year, um, as I like to put it. Um, but really, no, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, I think that's the easy answer. I did still finish with a second class upper degree. Um, fair enough. Uh, CGPA was above 3.5. Mm. I can't remember what it was at the end of the day. Some semesters, I think one or two semesters I had below a three or maybe a three. For most others, I had maybe a four, mm. uh, close to a four, or over a four. Uh, but that was key for me because as a business person, return on investment was one of the key things you have to provide. Mm. And my dad was investing in me going to school. The return on investment he was asking for, the only one was a good certificate. So I needed to give him that. So it was a business transaction there on. There on uh, so what were you spending the most of your time doing? Reading books. I had more business books uh, than microbiology textbooks. Uh, studying different things from accounting. I think the only thing that, you know, I, the only textbook I never got to buy was cost accounting. It was too complex. Mm. Um, even in my, my MBA, <laughs> cost accounting was one of those courses I didn't fantastically enjoy. It's mm. very important, but uh, yeah. So I had more business textbooks. I had one book, one business textbook that was 5,000 pages or so, or a thousand plus pages. I'm not mistaken. It's pretty, pretty large, like a regular textbook times three. Um, I had all that. I, of course, tried a couple of things, transport. Um, when Uber didn't exist, I tried to build out a transport network in my university. Oh, okay. I didn't succeed. Um, I tried to build a network of uh, mobile toilets because toilets were shitty back in Ife. Mm. Um, what else did I try? I tried a publication, like okay. literally a newspaper. Um, for, forgotten what it was called. Blueprint. Yeah, campus. Blueprint, something, something. Campus. <laughs> And that's what it was called. A blueprint, like designing future, designing mm. you know, blueprint, like designing a blueprint okay. for, a, for a house. Um, so yeah, that was, that was what I spent most of my time doing at the time, you know, researching on, I mean, Keke and Ape, Tricycles, I just mm. coming to Nigeria at the time. Um, I didn't really like them. I kind of preferred the mini buses, but they weren't okay. as rampant as they are now. Um, but I didn't like the fact that it was difficult to move around campus, um, mm. you know. Yeah, so that's why I spent most of my time doing. And of course, uh, when exam time came, I became a very serious student. I attended most of my classes. At some time, I didn't even have notes. At the end of the semester, I just photocopied all the notes. And that was it. Why do you think any of your ideas then didn't work? The transport, um, the mobile toilet? Two things. I think one, so three things. One, I'd say 
it's like planting a tree or planting anything the conditions have to be right number one um you know if the conditions are not right you have to create those conditions to be right um the second and, and that's everything from capital to enabling environment uh-huh. to everything the second um i'd say was perseverance um you know uh yeah i'd say perseverance um i, I mean of course i had other distractions i was still a student so you're unable to persevere correct okay um sometimes it takes three years for this stuff to blossom you know and this is three years of non-stop mm. you know but you know as a student you have to stop and then do school and then go back and um you know but i mean i was quite excited that there were people like um at the time of where i will Mm. who you all know as Okwemi Awoyemi of uh, Jobberman, you know, had successfully built a company like Innovates, you know, mm. um, Foster, you know, was doing, uh, you know, designs, um, uh, Pixels, you know, were actually part of Abiodun's first class, Abiodun and Jela's first class. Oh, okay. And they built a really good um, campus photo business. Uh, so that's the second, I think that perseverance, that was good for me because then in 2009, I then decided that I wouldn't do anything not leave anything until I think I've exhausted all my options. And uh, there's absolutely nothing that would have, like, I would not leave it until I can say that I, I gave it absolutely everything mm-hmm. and that there was no other way for it to work. Okay. Um, and I see that manifesting in some of the things that I do today. Um, I think those are majorly the two, the two things, the right environment and just um, persevering and <clears throat> sticking through. And then okay. the time, maybe I was a bit young. And, okay. Um, and some of the things I tried to do were maybe just a little bit uh, above. Like one of them, for example, was the mobile toilet one. I, I mean, the vice chancellor called me, the deputy vice, the deputy vice chancellor called me because I had written a proposal to the vice chancellor. And the deputy chancellor didn't know that I was a student. Mm. But the year before, it was a professor. It was it was one of the professors that taught me a particular course. You know, and I appeared, I, you know, did everything. Sent, they wrote a letter to what we call PPDU, Physical Planning and Development Unit. Oh, okay. The director was, you know, ah, okay, nice. I mean, but we was just looking at this young guy, you know, like, ah. I think he wasn't just convinced that I could pull it through. Mm. And there was all sort of red tapes. They did assessment on my proposal. Okay, gave us conditions to make it work, but never really passed through the approval. Mm. Now, my dad could have made a few calls. Mm. That's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> my dad started as a driver for the construction company that built OAU. Oh, okay. But while I was a student, he was given an award of philanthropic investor by the same OAU. Okay. He had invested in OAU for like things like the generator, like the electrical systems, new building construction, and all sorts of things. That's, again, like I said, another story for another day. But, I mean, I could have gone to my dad and he could have tried to call one or two people who could have, you know, um, or even try to find someone who I know that can, you know, one of the lecturers then was a friend to the vice chancellor. Uh, and the lecturer was my friend. Mm. We met, you know, by virtue of mm. business programs and all. So there are people that could have pulled it through for, for that to happen. But I just didn't, just wasn't patient enough and, you know, deliberate enough to pull it through. So, yeah. Do you I'd regret it? No. I think there were, uh, maybe for a while I did. I wish, you know, successful more. But it was a learning point for me. Um, mm. So, story, you know, in retrospect, I don't really get any of them. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, after yeah. this critical moment, went on with your degree, you graduated, then it was time to face career in the labor market. Mm-hmm. How did you know, was there a blueprint, so to say, or what job you were supposed to take? And I know you started as a business analyst, mm-hmm. then from there you went on to be head of business development. So, mm-hmm. were all those rules random, or was there... No. 
you had it in mind that you have this dream you had to achieve and so you needed this experience that experience mm-hmm. to help you yeah yeah so the roles were not the roles were not predestined okay <laughs> the path was uh, not uh, the companies were not predestined um but the path and the the direction was uh, clear and that's part of where i say i was lucky i was lucky that um as i think i was 17 when I was, when it was clear what I wanted to do, mm. 17, 18, I already knew, okay, this is where I'm going. Uh, by the time I finished university, I think maybe I was 20. Um, it was extremely clear what I wanted to do, you know, the kind of job I was interested in. Um, um, I wasn't looking forward to, <clears throat> in fact, I think at the time I called it organizing. I used to like organizing football teams. Oh, okay. You know, being captain of the club, you know, all those kind of things <laughs> used to get me excited. Um, which is the same thing with solving problems. Um, you know, so that was what I was going to do. Now I know I needed business skills. I needed a bit more technical skills, Microsoft Office. So I'd been working on all of that. Now I was lucky because I knew where I was going. Okay. I had that vision. I still have mm. it. It's still very clear. I'm mm. not deviating. It's remained the same since mm. that day till today. But the part that I, you know, evolved at least for 10 years between four, five, 2005 and 2014, 15 is then fine tuning. Okay. So what are the activities I'm supposed to be doing and the ones that I'm not supposed to be doing? What are the things that I, I have to do so I can do the things I want to do? Um, so of course sales wasn't my thing or something I had to learn. I had to fall in love with. Um, and now maybe I do it too much sometimes. <laughs> Uh, but you have to do it because sales and making money is like uh, preaching to a church. Mm, you don't preach mm. in a church um, or whatever the church is called to do, there's really no church. Mm. Um, so if you're not selling, you're not making money, mm. you don't have a business. Mm. So what was the path? The path was, okay, I mean, I remember this very clearly. Um, you know, I'd, I'd graduated. I was in Abuja. At some reason, I just wanted to serve in Abuja. I, you know, part, you know, did the process to try to do that. I landed in Nasara, but I was in Abuja. And my elder brother was in Abuja at the time. My dad's first firstborn. He's pretty old. Uh, in his 50s. Oh, okay. And then he he came to town and we saw. And I was like, ah, I going, blah, blah, blah. You know, ah, which of my friends works in a lab or which of my friends owns it? Ah, no, this is my friend that owns this hospital. You know, all sort of, you know, uh, maybe this company, you know, the regular microbiology, uh, you know, work in a lab, okay. you know, whatever it is. Yeah, it's about technology, you know. Exciting roles, exciting businesses. But I was so emphatic. Mm. Like, it's not like I had one job somewhere, like nothing. I didn't really have anything. Like, those moments, I think, were very vital for me uh, in helping me brace the uncertainty i was so emphatically clear and i'm sure i'm sure he's happy and proud of that moment now he thinks about it in retrospect because i don't think i've ever gone back to the family and say ah you know it's not working or i don't have a job or i've never submitted my cv for a job um, one time like i've always had you know, several offers to to work um just by virtue of the things i was i've been involved with very early okay and he said, and I told him, I said, I know that I'm not, I'm actually not doing anything related to microbiology, that I'm not interested in any of that right now as a technical person. He's like, ah, okay. That can't help me then. That he doesn't have <laughs> any other way to think of everything. I say, you shouldn't worry. That I'll be fine. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm fine. And mm. uh, I don't know, 14 years after or 12 years after, 13, and I'm fine. 
But the point there is that clarity of where I was going, I'm lucky that I had it. So all the things I did then worked out. One of the one of my jobs that I never referenced, maybe I need to go and reference that thing on LinkedIn, um, was actually as sort of a business executive for or a salesperson slash business development executive for business development officer. Let me put it that way. For a solar energy and a so just a multi-purpose company. It was okay. a friend of mine, Kunle, he had um um, so because I've been doing business plans and all those kind of things, I did that for him. I did that for another company, a, you know, another friend of mine, not, not friend, like a, uh, someone I had met at the mm-hmm. time through Diolio mm-hmm. Akinyemi, okay. uh, also in Abuja at the time. So I did that for about a year, two years, close. Then I then did um, an, uh, the analyst job at CUC Consulting because I wanted to get into consulting and understand. The consultant always seemed like they have it figured out. <laughs> So I was very interested in knowing what they were doing right. You know, and okay. I'm, I'm happy I did that. I did it for about a year. And trust me, that was as important as that first moment. Because the, 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 the right structural thinking, okay. that's, that's the, the advantage that the consultants have mm-hmm. that most other people don't have. Mm-hmm. There's a structural way of thinking about stuff that the consulting industry had built. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that I spent that one year there. Then okay. I did Del York and then PGG. And then. But I stuck through on the path of doing things that were related to learning how to run a business or learning how to take nothing and create something or learning how to look at a specific problem, however big it is, going to mass, you know, saving the planet and understanding how to go step by step to solving that problem. Or something as simple as um, setting up this recording, right? That sounds (laughs) like project management, but not necessarily. Mm. So this, the understanding is step-by-step process of how to get that done was, I think, the most important thing I wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy I did that, working for almost over 10 years. Okay, okay. Fast forward to 2012, you started on an idea to help cooperative groups and, in, and the individual members to save, to borrow, and to invest together. What inspired this dream? So I'll take the last part. I started with the thinking of how do people, okay, I was actually working at the time at Del York and I was earning a decent amount, um, you know, pretty decent. And this was when? 2012. 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't bad at all. I was living in the Koyi, you know. I, I didn't have a car, but I could afford most things, mm. generator, air conditioned. You're a Lagos big boy. I was okay. <laughs> um, Koyi was BQ though. It's part okay. of my. Uh, wasn't like it was <laughs> self, you know, one bedroom, one living room, kitchen, toilet. Very nice um, self contained apartment, uh, which was part of my compensation package at the time. Um, thanks to my boss then, of course. Um, but the key thing there was that I still couldn't picture going from that to being rich. So I was asking myself, how do people then get rich? Like, not the entrepreneurs. I was, I was talking about employees. I was, I, I could see how, I mean, I, I wasn't, I didn't doubt. I, I knew I was going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to be rich. I'm not rich yet, in quotes, <laughs> you know. But that's not as important as, for me, how to help people create a financially secure future. For me, that's the definition of rich. Um, if your money can last for more than one generation, then you're wealthy. Okay. That's kind of where I like to define it. Okay. But if it's just for yourself, you're rich. If it's not for yourself, you're you're leveraged. You're not rich. If your money can't last one lifetime, you're not yet rich. Okay. You're leveraged. So there are a lot of 
you know, Ikoyi big boys that they they are hoping that they die before their death catches up with them. You know, because if the death catches up with them, they'll be poor. Mm. So those are leveraged rich mm. people. They're not really rich. Okay. So leveraged rich wealthy. Interesting. Rich is an important point. From zero to one, one to ten. So I said, so how do people get to rich, like earning a salary? I can't. I couldn't picture it. So we then say, okay, how can we help? Maybe use technology to help people plan, save, invest. And then the photo was collaborate at the time. Um, it was the book, The Richest Man in Babylon. Okay. That actually triggered that thought. Like, yeah, this is a problem. How do we solve it? I couldn't save, you know. I was. Ne- I never had, you know, I was in that same, you know, waiting for end of month uh, kind of thing. And my problem wasn't how to get out of that. My problem is how not just, I can't be the only one having that problem. How has historically people gotten out of that problem? I said there must be at least a, a solution. And then my girlfriend... In 2005, had bought me the physical book. Mm. For some reason, I had the audio. Mm. I remember the book, and I didn't really read it then. She read it, and we used to just talk about it. So I then listened to the audio. Now I've listened to that audio at least 15 times, beginning to end, the dramatized version of the book. And the core principle there is a part of all you earn is just to keep. Can't be less than 10% for life. Interestingly, if you observe that principle, for the most part, you will become rich. But it was just the beginning. So you save. Then when you save, you invest. And when you invest, you don't. There are different pockets of savings. But your investment savings, your wealth account, what we like to call your wealth account. At the mm-hmm. time, if I remember now, we had it. It's the savings type. Wealth. It was 2012. Mm-hmm. There was no fintech. Was, mm-hmm. Your wealth account is what makes you rich. So you have to deliberately create a type of account where the money in that account is not to be spent. Mm-hmm. It's to make you rich. That money must consistently grow. You invest that money and you don't put you don't put in a risky investment. Portfolio management, yes. But that money, you know, you keep putting 10% minimum and you keep reinvesting that money. It's when that money grows so large uh-huh. to the point where maybe you're not making enough income, you can then start spending from that money. We've tried to do different versions of it, like pension, you know, like, but I've not really seen most people become exceedingly rich, especially in, in this time. Anyways, fast forward multiple years, but the story is quite different. The things have changed. The same idea is still there, uh-huh. which is how do people become rich? But the way is now different. Savings uh-huh. is not the only way. In fact, savings is savings is one of the ways, but the problem Nigeria faces now is even bigger than savings. is income generation. Uh-huh. People are not even making enough money. So that's why you see that the mission for Ribi now is very crystal clear. Creating prosperous communities uh-huh. in three ways. Number one, helping people earn a livable income. That's how you see that we don't, in fact, savings for us is step two. If you don't first ensure that people can earn a livable income, which today we're not doing at scale at all, 90 million people or so in poverty, they will not save, right? They can't save. Livable income. You need to be able to live on the income. Second, lifetime savings. Yes, save for the small things. Your car, your house, your your children's school fees, your rent, Mm -hmm. A very important step, you know, step you know, as a part of step two. But the most critical part of step two in building wealth is saving for a lifetime. We'll call it lifetime savings, or what, you, you know, what I said as a wealth account. And those two things are extremely important. When you get them right, and then we think that the only other third thing you need, that the world needs to ensure for, for my own view of it, is ensuring that people own their own homes. And I think this is what the developed uh-huh. economy has successfully done with uh-huh. single digits, extremely low, 2%, 3%, 5% in most cases, or uh-huh. lower, you know, in mortgage interest rates, 30-year repayment period. Uh-huh. If you are able to achieve these three things sustainably, 
people will be wealthy. People will be rich, even if they are not wealthy. Yeah. And they'll be able to have a, a, a stable life, a very convenient life. So that, that became my mission to say, everybody will not become an entrepreneur. Everybody can't be an entrepreneur. It's not a... Just the same way everybody cannot be a nuclear physicist. It's not, you know, there's no need to fight, try to fight it. Everybody shouldn't have to be, actually. Otherwise, the world is not going to be as beautiful as it's supposed to be. But it doesn't mean that everybody shouldn't have a stable, comf- comfortable life. You know, the, uh, I, call it, I think they're called Nordic countries. The, um, the certain European countries have achieved almost this level of everybody. There's a clear path for everybody to be rich and comfortable. You know, countries like Norway mm. spending $35,000 there about public funds per mm. citizen. But wow. yeah, you know what the average is for most African countries or like Nigeria, <laughs> Congo, Congo, less than $100. Wow. So imagine that gap, mm. you know, so that, that then became my mission. And, and I'm hoping that you can see 2012 to now, long time. Fully launched in 2016, True. but you know, we've been thinking about mm. it deeply since then. So how did you start out? Um, we tried multiple things. Uh, you know, when we started 2013, Wanted to, we had not launched, we just saw testing various ideas. What mm. could we do? We had created something called the BB Savers app where you can set your wedding, you know, you want to buy a car, you know, but there was no, you couldn't debit anybody. We're not a bank. Uh, getting a license was not even something that we could consider at the time. You know, I was funding the business with my money. At the time, maybe I was earning a thousand dollars a month. What can that do? Um, but then, we couldn't debit people, so we were telling people to upload their bank statements so that we can see that they have saved for their goal. That, of course, didn't go anywhere. This was too cumbersome. Um, and then maybe the learning from that is make the process. If the process cannot be as simple and as easy for the customer as possible, the product can scale. Uh, so that wasn't going to work. We sure tried a couple of other things. And we now saw that, you know, I mean, at the time, everybody was still struggling with regulation, especially fintech wasn't really that thing. Um, the payment industry was still evolving. It wasn't until after Uber that card on file became a thing mm. and that made it possible for you to develop a savings app where people can then put money automatically from their card okay. on a specific day. But I mean, we had now moved on before that happened. We moved on to say, okay, why not support cooperatives? So we had Plan Save Invest Collaborate and Collaborate seemed like easier. There was regulation okay. uh, for cooperatives. So we said, okay, let's go the route of cooperatives and then we part a partner that builds the software for cooperatives you know, I wish we were still partners. I was no longer partner. We built our own product for that purpose. Mm. But that was what got us into cooperatives. It wasn't mm. like we started our cooperatives. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay, let's do cooperatives first or through or groups who already have some level of, auto, you know, legal authority to hold and control money. And let's use that to start what we're what we working okay. on. And then finally in 2016, uh, 2013 as well, uh, one of our mentors, Professor Sojia Delaja, doing the GIB, uh, VGG run uh, incubation program and said, hey, Salami, what you're thinking about has to do a lot with poor people. I didn't think it was a poor people problem, actually. I, I didn't think it was so much a poor people. I, th- I was thinking it was more a part of wealth. And he said, you need to work with a lot of organizations that want that, was that same mission. You know, So we had been looking out for them. Lucky for us, 2016, three years after, 2015, actually, new government came in, you know, uh, Bank of Industry said, hey, we want to learn to cooperate. We're like, Good. We actually have the software for cooperative. You should come uh, and use our platform. And, and that was when we then launched in 2016. But between 2012, when you had the idea, and 2016, when you finally launched, um, that's about four years. Did you feel any pressure to launch? Let me kind of understand that question. Okay. Your question is, was I unhappy that we had not launched? Exactly. Very unhappy. 
you know, you have was something there pressure burning, to get it right quickly? Your, yes, you have something burning in your mind you wanted to do, you know. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I mean, there's never a right time, uh, or let me say, there's a right time, but there's never a perfect time. 2013, I was in Gib, met Bumi and Kumi, Venture Garden Group. You know, they're like, oh, so they had a project in power sector. I'd written a proposal for the power sector, so I sort of kind of understand this, beginning to understand the space, but uh-huh. never really had done anything major there. And uh, they, I would, so there was, they wanted someone to come help with, like, sort of babysitting the project to start. Okay. They said, hey, sure, I'm interested. We haven't launched, so why not? Long story short, that became three, four years of my uh-huh. me spending time in VGG, which was really good for me at, at the end of the day. Uh, for several other reasons but yes during all that period you know I was just hoping and praying that we could launch and uh-huh. that we could get it right and eventually launch so um, yeah there was a lot of pressure to launch were there moments when you thought that it wouldn't work even till now okay yeah, you have to be so the, the journey of an entrepreneur is you have to be willing uh, to, to bear a certain level of uncertainty uh, and I'm happy for one of my friends if one of my friends I've learned a couple of things from uh, Laulu if I, when I wanted to start with you I went and asked him Laulu I was the one of the things that you think you know the few things I think I should watch out for the one that he said that I know I stuck with is end of month shall come and it shall be judgment day <laughs> uh, that was key and the second is I think this he said actually it wasn't to me it was said maybe in one of these uh, events or something that we had attended together I said something around um, um, his greatest fear is what if he's wrong? You know, what if he's wrong and, you know, he's selling this dream to everybody, employees, investors, uh-huh. and it never comes through. So yes, you need to recognize that that is a possibility and you need to accept it. But it shouldn't deter you from pushing on because, yeah, that's how everything that was that's important was given birth to. Uh-huh. At the one time, all these bulbs, like 15 inside this room alone, didn't exist. It was candle. At one uh-huh. time, there was no candle, it was firewood. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I, I was several times I thought that it would never happen. Even mm-hmm. now, I think can we eat scale? And scale for me is would we be able? Would there be this software for a hundred million people? In fact, this system at uh, scale for a hundred million people, will, will we get to a point where we can say one million people has achieved that dream, the Ruby dream? And Ruby actually means riches in Babylon. Interesting. Why my friend, my partner says for you. <laughs> right, this is the Babylon for you. Right, says this is the Babylon for you, and it's the principle of everybody being wealthy. Mm. Would we ever get to a point where we can say Ruby has helped four million people achieve that? You know, we're still on that path, so yes. Okay, okay, interesting. So, what was the most important lesson you would say you learned between within these four years? Stay alive, learn fast, adapt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those two. First is stay alive as much as you can if you're sure this needs to happen. The things that you're doing that you're not sure. Maybe you're going you to create transport system for Yaba. Yaba, there's still bus. It's okay. But maybe you want to create a new type of transport system. Maybe that, that's... I don't know. I'm not... There's mm-hmm. no indices per se. There might be. Mm-hmm. We're going to mass certain indices, mm-hmm. uh, index. But if you're really sure, then you need to figure out how to stay alive. Uh-huh. For example, first two, three years of Ruby, I was working for other companies, you know, in a flexible structure that allowed me to be able to still keep spending two, three days a week on uh-huh. Ruby. Weekends, nights, one or two days during the week. 
and I was taking all my earnings and putting it into, you know, building out, testing a product, uh, paying salary. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So sometimes when, you know, um, salary is delayed in a company, my own staff, my my partners, will suffer, my co-workers will suffer it because they're waiting for my own salary to get their own. Mm, so staying alive, by all means, right? Of course, the last two years, similar model. Um, we've been 80% revenue funded. Yeah. Okay. 80% revenue funded. It, like, the total, the value of equity that we've spent in the business compared to the total money we've spent on the business is less than 20%. Wow. Yeah. So most of the money we spend in the business has been revenue and, you know, other types of income, other mm-hmm. types of um, funding. But for sure, 60% has been revenue. 20 plus percent has been uh, not equity free uh, funding, partner funding, donor funding. And less than 20% has been equity. Mm-hmm. But that whole process important to figuring out how to stay alive. That's number one. And number two, learn fast and adapt and then innovate to make sure that you get to where you're going to. So come 2015, BOI decided, 2015, 2016, I think. Correct, 2015. Okay, BOI decided to focus on cooperatives. That they were going to lend to cooperative as one of the sectors mm-hmm. that they were. One How of did the you hear about segment. it? Was it out in the news? I was following the news. Yeah. I saw it in the newspaper. So you're waiting for your big break, following the news every was day. was just timing. And mm-hmm. t- so that's what you call luck. Mm-hmm. People think luck is chance. Those are two different things. Um, the Bible says that um, the race is not to the swift, not the battle to the strong, not bread to the wise, but time and chance happen to them all. Like people think time and chance happen to all. Uh, they mix the them, uh, which is a referral now. What do they call that? And he was referring to those people. Uh, it wasn't they didn't say time and chance happen to everybody? Uh, you would not win the race if you are not swift. Uh, you will not win the battle. Like the, the race happened to the, the race is not to the swift, not the battle to the strong. If you are not strong, you you may not win the battle. There is uh, also grace. Uh, which is different from time and chance. Uh, you understand? Like grace, by grace we are saved, not uh, by strong or uh, of, you know, anything. By faith, grace. But that one was very specific. Time and chance happened to them, right? That time and chance is what happened. But I was already strong. I was already uh, swift. We already had a solution. We demoed something that the client saw and said, okay, this is good for us. Not that we didn't have anything and then, we, you know, we, you cannot, an SS3 boy cannot be so lucky to get into part one. Mm. Even if his father is the vice chancellor mm. or his father owns the university. He must first be prepared for mm. the time and chance, for mm. the luck to be applicable to mm. him. So yes. Okay. We're prepared and it came. We're looking for it. We stuck to the news and yeah. So how did you get the contract? Because oh, did many people bid yeah, for it? Yeah. No, so I mean, different. I mean, winning clients comes in different ways. You can okay. win a client via partnership. You can win a client via direct chasing the client directly. You can okay. win a client by offering them a free pilot. Mm. You know, there's several ways to to win a client. In this particular case, it was via partnership. Okay. We had a company that was also trying to get the same project, and we partnered with them so that they bundled our solution as part of what they were offering. At which time we couldn't even pass a public procurement by ourselves. Oh. Because we're a one-year-old company. Okay. Right. Okay. And you need three years audited financial report records mm. to be able to get a government government uh, a project or a public sector project or any or a big company project. They usually would like that you have three years of audited records. So yeah, partnership. Okay. After maybe that, that's, maybe that's lesson number three. Your network is as important as everything else. Network is the reason why Andela is successful. 
The only reason why they're successful. The most important reason why they're successful. The founders have a solid network of being able to get the right companies that want those talents. The developers are in Africa now. What stops you from building Africa and Della? You think I cannot get 5,000 developers to sign up? Uh. You can't train them. No, now. But who will buy from you is the question. Who wants to take the developers that you have trained? It's not people that know and trust you. Yeah. So how do people build this network? Ah, that one is the work. That's the real work. <laughs> it's just like saying, how do you become a a professor with hundred research papers and publication? Uh, the same way everybody becomes a professor. Going to the school, get into the academia, take a doctorate degree, start writing papers, start you know attending and listening to other people, walk the walk, talk the talk, uh, become it. Same way, you want to build a strong network. Yeah. Understand how people build business networks. Okay. Position yourself right. Slave for the right people. But you're going to have to serve somebody. <laughs> serve somebody. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter who, who you are. Even Jesus is God. Mm. <laughs> it's only God that is God. Everybody else, uh, plug in the right position and then move, build. After you launched... Was it a smooth sale after that? No. Even now, it's not a smooth sale. Mm. It's never a smooth sale. Is it a smooth sale for Flutterwave? So we just raised $35 million. Mm. But they have OP gunning. They have, you know, Pampe gunning. They have industries still alive and kicking. Just raised $200 million. It's never a smooth sale for anybody. Mm. Even the banks, they have, you know, billions of dollars, most of them, in capital. So it's not even a smooth sale for people that have the money. Uh, so no, uh, it wasn't. It's not a smooth sale. So what have been the challenges, the struggles in building a talent company? Talent, finding the right talent, crystal clear thinking. It's, uh, it's not that easy to come by. To have a crystal clear mind around what you want to do, how to solve the customer's problem, how to um, make sure that the customer is able to use the product. Um, so that's number two, crystal clear thinking. That like. Getting it right, uh-huh. you know, it's that's a big problem. Um, of course, everybody has to be the, at their best, both the founding team, the founders, the everybody in the business, and that's the place of talent. Uh-huh. Um, capital is a big problem across uh-huh. the country. Macroeconomic conditions or market conditions, big problem. Um, the customers' conditions as well, you know, uh, we're talking to customers that don't know how to use technology uh-huh. that probably don't even want to use technology uh-huh. because of the market that we have you know, targeted, uh-huh. which makes it very difficult. But thankfully, we're already seeing um, the light at the end of the tunnel. We've seen ourselves now tapping into fast-growing markets. We've seen ourselves now working with customers that are in space of, that are doing one transaction per week. How did you mitigate that? Mitigate what? What did you do to get your... Target users who are not familiar with technology. Oh, we have to innovate. Mm-hmm. So everything we now we have pretty much everything. We've explored everything. We've had the mind that we have to explore everything. <clears throat> we're exploring everything. USSD, NFC, mm-hmm. book, mm-hmm. booklet, sheet of paper <laughs> for some people. Some people literally use sheet of paper, and the agent is the one that digitizes their transaction. Mm-hmm. Agent network, um, voice. You can't use the mobile phone. No, we're calling. There's somebody at the end of the phone that would you know, do the transaction on your behalf mm. in some way. Um, yeah. Okay. So how did Ruby scale from seven to five signups monthly to, I think we have about 40,000, over 40,000 signups yeah, now? Yeah, that, that 
uh, that was a couple of things. It, um, I was still in that process. It's um, the right partnerships. I think that was helpful for us. Um, 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 in terms of the actual things we did, we went into the streets. Okay. Literally, uh, in 15 states. Oh. Yeah. So we have uh, over a thousand groups, let me put it that way. Uh-huh. Uh, well over a thousand groups. Um, well over 200,000 people uh-huh. within those groups. Uh-huh. Um, so that's 200,000 customers that we can market to directly. Uh-huh. And we want to grow that to 1.5 million um, as soon as possible. Um, yeah. So it was agent networks. On-field partnerships, uh, of course, some uh, quite a bit of digital. Um, thankfully, we had people like Afina, you know, funded by uh-huh. DFID and Gates Foundation, also coming and say, "Hey, we're also interested in this segment of the market. We want to work with you to grow it, and, you know, and fund, willing to co-fund that process with us as well." Yeah, so it's, it's been multiple things, but um, at the end of the day, it's uh, getting closer to the customer, making sure the product is usable. Uh, making sure the product delivers the value and then building out your network to achieve that, your channels and your network mm. to achieve it. What have been some of your mistakes? Mm. I think you, I think for me is um, <clears throat> make the, you would make mistakes. I think you need to learn that you would make mistakes. You need to know that you will not get it right, but be comfortable with it. So my mistake, <laughs> I think, would be not knowing that I might not be doing the right thing. But I'm happy now that I'm willing to experiment and, and move on. Um, but in that mistake lies things like if you're building a technical product, the first thing you need is the technical people, not the salespeople uh, or the marketing people. Okay. You're building a software. Probably the first 10 people you are, you are or you that will join the business in any form should be software engineers. <laughs> 70% of us were business people. I mean, we had tried uh, to hire developers, but we had not prioritized it. Reverse that now, we're doing other projects and we're spending first nine months 80% of people are just technical people, uh. product people. Everything we're doing is all about the product until we start doing testing in the market and then you start scaling it, you know, uh, the things that relate to customer. Uh, so understanding the cycle, understanding what needs to be done when is as important as doing anything. And what did that mistake cost you? A lot, three years. Mm. Yes. Three years of not scaling? Or- yes. Huh. Three years of not getting things right. That and a number of other things. Of course, not having right capital, boiling the ocean, something I call boiling the ocean. Again, some of these things you don't know before. And I was in an industry where nobody had, there was no into switch that done something similar or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. There were no banks before that, you know, gone. Well, maybe I just didn't research enough to know what, what, what had gone wrong or what could mm-hmm. go wrong. But we were attempting things that we needed way more capital than we had so it's like it's a classical boil in the ocean choose your battles maybe we should have chosen 10 companies or 20 companies and focus squarely on them and giving them the product for free or cooperatives or something and not try to scale again Mm. you try to scale at the wrong time Oh, by the way, in all of this, our enterprise business was succeeding. Remember, clients like uh-huh. Bank Industry and several uh-huh. others who also needed our software. Uh-huh. We got that one right. Uh-huh. We got our pre-right. We uh-huh. survived because of that. Uh-huh. Because we had companies who were paying us to use our software. Okay. Yeah. Literally. Uh-huh. What risk would you say you took then? And in retrospect, you are now glad you did 
So somebody said something, one of our investors, he said, hey, Salami, I know it's, you know, it's quite difficult, like, you know, finally now living VGG, you know, and then, you know, fully, fully just relying on your own income. And how do you know that it's actually time, the time is right, uh, and all of those things. Uh, um, but don't worry, trust me, I've seen this before. You don't know what's coming. I kind of felt like, oh, maybe he doesn't understand that uh, this is 2016. No, I mean, I've been on this journey since 2004, you know. But he was right. I actually didn't know what is coming. The, 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 how clear my eyes is now as to what's possible is way different from what it was four years ago. Even though I wasn't a rookie in terms uh-huh. of understanding what being an entrepreneur was. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, I'm happy that I took the leap. At the time of um, leaving VGG or starting, maybe okay. um, you know, I'm still VGG is one of our investors, so I'm still a very true, close member true. of the family. Uh, but I spent almost four years at VGG at the time, so I think I'd, I'd paid, mm. I'd, I'd been a very mm. good steward or servant as, as it were. I didn't think I did badly as well. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm proud of my time at VGG, and uh, VGG is also proud of my time mm. uh, when I was there. But I think that I'm happy that. Um, even though it didn't necessarily seem like everything was right and perfect, uh, I started. Yeah, and I'm happy that, that that I did that, and then I'm happy that oh, actually, I'm happy that I got into VGG because it was Ruby that took me to VGG in 2013. Remember, uh, actually, accelerator now called Guardian uh, Greenhouse Lab. Greenhouse Greenhouse okay. Labs, yes, now okay. called Greenhouse Labs. Yeah, I'm happy that I did that, and I'm happy I spent all that time in VGG. Uh, what was your question again? What risk you took, and I'm glad you did. Yeah, so I think the risk was actually not doing Ribi in 2013, 2014, but mm. rather benching Ribi and going into VDG. Mm. That's the risk I'm happy that I took. Mm. And, open, and happy that someone has not cleaned up the market before I now try to start. Of course, let's say nature abhors vacuum, mm. right? What we were supposed to do, the first product, which I'm happy that, you know, at least now we've seen someone that fully expressed what that product could do. Of course, in the long path, there's now piggy bank and carry wise. Mm. They're literally expressions of our first version of our product. Ah, interested. So that vacuum occurred, but I'm happy that we still, I, I still could take the risk of abandoning that the idea mm. for three years and then coming back and it's still, you know, it was still valid to do that. Mm. So that's the risk mm. I'm, I'm happy that I took, but paid off. Paid mm. off because with VGG, VGG is that business school I should, I should, I'm happy that I went to. Let me put it that way. Okay. It's, 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 trust me. Mm. It's that business school I'm happy that I went to. Um, it, it was a different ball game. I was managing a project where the only person I wasn't reporting to was the Minister of Power. Everybody else across the entire power value chain structure, I was relating with them directly. The managing director of the transmission company of Nigeria, I was relating with them directly. Owners of distribution companies or their, their representatives were calling me. NERC. You know, so I mean, and that was I never operated at that scale before, which uh, is pretty much anything short of presidency. So that uh, that that process, the whole uh, works presented to the board of a distribution company, uh, multiple distribution companies uh, at the time, in, you know, selling our product. So that sort of sealed it for me. That was like the graduation cap. So, okay, got the app. Um, I'm ready to go now. So that is the mistake. That is the chance that I took. Uh, that I'm, in retrospect, I'm happy that uh, I took leaving Ruby. Even though Ruby was supposed to have started 23, four years somewhere else, and then now. Okay. And then knowing when to now find, you know, gracefully now living, and then. Uh, uh, 
when would you say you felt most alone on this journey? Ah, even now I'm still feeling alone. <laughs> it's not um you get lucky if you you get so met. Mm. Are you going on the journey together and understand everything? It's not it's very rare. Mm. I think less than 5% of the world's population are entrepreneurs. Um yeah, so it's it's a bit lonely. And several times, man, not knowing where the next period will come. Uh, and almost four years. These are fourth full year that we're the year that just started. And we've only missed payroll maybe two months out of the entire almost, you know, forty plus months. Like literally had no crew like payroll was delayed maybe by one week or two weeks or one uh, month. Where uh, there was no money to pay. Wow. Twice. Two uh, months in almost four years. All of those moments are lonely moments. Man. What was your state of mind then? Ah, man, so man, you just go to sleep and wake up the next morning <laughs> and just start thinking what what next to do, you know. But mm. that's what it is. Mm. Nobody said it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Okay. I think they said times like this year, she go, she easy. Oh, I'm going easy, yo. I'm going easy. I'm going easy for you, for that one. So I'm going easy for you, so I'll leave that one. You know, which means that. Uh, if it's easy, it's probably not going to be what you want it to be. And what have been the inspiring moments? Inspiring moments? Um, I mean, some of my inspiring moments are just finding these days having awesome people that mm. just, you know, make you excited to be working with them. Mm. Um, you know, I have a couple of people that have come into the company that they are the perfect employees or the perfect co-workers, the perfect people you want to work with. It's just... In fact, I have one of them that will have increased, increased the salary two or three times and has never asked within one year. It's been promoted three times within one year. Interesting. And that was just because this guy is just on fire. I pray you come across those kind of people yeah. <laughs> when you're working or when you're running a company or as co-workers. Yeah. So what stands this particular co-worker out? What principles or attributes so that those listening they, they, can... They um, just create them. They, they were just... I mean, they just found themselves. Mm. They sold themselves to a mission of getting the results that they want, achieving mm. the things that they want to achieve. Mm. So I think it's a resolve. It's mm. a state of mind of resolve. This is what I want to do. I'm going to learn how to do it. You know, mm. push my myself to the very edge and the, mm. being the best in doing it. Mm. I'm not going to let anything get in my way, mm. um, which was the kind of which I'm happy that that's the kind of person I am. Mm. So it's 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 an awakening one must have, a decision you must make. Um, yeah, I don't know how else to explain. It's like like saying you want to be a real pastor. Mm. You know, sometimes you are called. Sometimes you call yourself. <laughs> if you're lucky and you're called, fantastic. But if you need to call yourself, call yourself. Mm. So I, like I said, I was lucky that, you know, I, I was able to find the things I wanted to do. But then mm. there's the calling of self too. But there's just that thing that, there's just this resolve. Rewind. 2004. 2003. I remember clearly I was standing in my in front of my room in, in, you know, in, on, on campus. I was living in, my dad has a building in Ife, so I was living in, uh, out of campus on in the property. There was no light. Uh-huh. And I can remember clearly, I was just thinking about solar. And like, why is there no solar? My house, like, like I mentioned, my house runs on solar now. And this is 18 years after. Uh-huh. So I can't remember the last time we didn't have light in my house for the last 18 months or so, like 247 power. Like, 
So I decided that mediocrity would be far from me because solar was already available. So there's no reason why Nigeria did not have power. Elon Musk does more engineering than the entire country. Elon Musk as a person. He inspires and solves more engineering problems, more fundamental problems than the whole Nigeria as a country. Uh, Supplying power, batteries and things at grid, national grid levels. I heard he's installed battery capacity for some national, like Haiti, all, all uh, sorts of places. 2003, that was my decision point. Maybe that never came up. I just decided that anything mediocre, anything that sounds like the least expression of excellence, the least expression of grit, of uh, push, of self. Uh, I will not be close to it. You will not find me there. I think everybody needs to get to that point in their life where they say, this is what I want to do and nothing is going to stop me. That's what is missing. A lot of people are too comfortable. You just want to take it easy. So. Okay. Okay. Looking back, what, what sacrifices did you need to make ah, to get to where you are today? Well, now I'm like uh, aborish, I'm kind of thing, mm. like real sacrifices. Back in school, half of my income went to, I was supposed to be feeding and studying. That's all I was supposed to be doing. Uh-huh. But less than half of my income went to that. Uh. So you can imagine how much I was starving. My dad does not do luxury. He's straight. Alawi, Alawi. He didn't even uh, buy me a computer. It was my shell scholarship. Uh, but I, the money for my shell scholarship, I said that I used to say, I study microbiology. What do you use computer to do? I use computer science. <laughs> so you can imagine. So it was from my money that I paid for things like uh, YP. Uh, from my shopping money. Maybe at the time, I can't remember how much. Maybe say 10,000. YP will come and say 5,000. Uh, take and give 5,000 but you still have to enter transport you still have to feed you still have to pay for, for print uh, uh, material uh, and out in class so the suffering was not on this uh, was out of this world buy printer buy ink buy paper print proposal print business books uh, no, no trust me it wasn't it was self-inflicted but uh, it wasn't because I didn't have my dad would give you all the money if, uh. we, if I needed him to be buying food stuff, self, instead of giving me money and making sure I have food, whatever I needed to convince him, he would have done. But that was in the mode I preferred the, <laughs> the cash because I was using it for other mm. things. But it was suffering, man. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't small suffering. Okay. But of course, you know, intellectual, you know, I'm not the only one. I had friends that suffered more than me. And the story is not the same for all of them, but I wish it was. Like one of my friends who was so good, was a botany student, but was so good, he was writing projects for computer sciences. Spend most of his time learning software development, the real yeah. Java kind of stuff. Yeah. Like 98% pass in his certification exams. That boy suffer, suffer past me. He won't eat, he'll cook beans, he'll eat the same beans for three days. So yeah, you would go through that. But it's okay. Enjoy it while it lasted. For some reason, I don't know, but I was clear and I was confident that I knew where I was going. Uh. I'm sure there are people that can testify now. To say, ah, I was, I was clear. Who mm, didn't understand? How it was going to happen wasn't really the thing. I knew it was going to happen. My sister is there and I say, ah, I don't have money. Give me money. Oh, I say, ah, what are you using your money to do? I say, but I know what I'm using my money to do. You don't believe me. Eh, we'll see, we'll see. They have seen it now. Uh. They didn't understand. They didn't, they didn't really understand. NYC, I say, ah, I don't have money. They probably did not send me money. They say, I'm now... Federal government property. As you can ask federal government for money, I might not work for federal government. As you not ask me for money. Suffering, serious suffering. Uh, you walk, 
you know abuja now mm-hmm. taxi expensive pa so you <laughs> give yourself brain sort of taking cab you you know you stop and i was living in games village i'll call my sister then ah, i mean it's not her fault it's not like she had so much money uh-huh, from my brother uh-huh. or anything they didn't understand and i said to explain to them that even if you say i'll pay you back this, i'll pay you this money times 100 though like i wasn't like i had no doubt on how i was going to pay them back i'm sure they see it now but they didn't really they didn't really understand it so when people say ah there's no job or you know i can't i can't make money i don't know how to i just i'm just i just shake my head i just shake my head because it's just too much it's too much wealth it's too much wealth waiting to be plucked uh-huh. one company one some one guys two guys that i'm super excited about right now um relief they don't know this so hopefully they hear this uh, recording <laughs> the boys have just gone on the ground what are they doing they are, they are refining palm oil in the east they school abroad though they are yc graduates so they've gone to yc why combinator uh-huh. now but they're doing the real stuff refining palm oil or something that mundane that's what they're doing now because they, they that like that that's foresight i can see where they are seeing the future that they can see yeah. the plantation everywhere in the east there's just so many things that you can do government have closed the border now if you know what that means like it's just and sometimes it's a combination of intellect and grit but you just need to position well i wish people can understand certain things like right now anybody that has brain should be working for a rice production company mm. or a poultry and mm. learn the business i'm willing to suffer with people mm. me i'll give you one million naira my own money hard mm. end money and i'm not i'm not my first time doing it i've been i've been giving people money for businesses since 2007 this same scholarship I told you people that I used to buy a computer, I gave my one of my friends, it was 200,000, I gave my one of my friends like 100,000, I was trading stocks. The money didn't come back, sure, but it's okay. 2011, I gave another of my friend, I brought one of my other uncle, who invested $5,000. At the time, even several incubators in Nigeria were not investing any, any money. Mm-hmm. I was just a worker in another company. But my own one of my uncle, yeah, I think he wants to do Simbaco. He gave me $5,000. Today, he has one of the largest co-working spaces in Nigeria. And I want wow. some shares in that business. 2011. I still do that today. I've given a friend to do restaurant business before, even in money. Had any money, my salary, I'll give you. I do that today. And there's nothing that gives me more joy than that creation process mm. from nothing to something. And there's just so much. There's... I had a book that I used to write business ideas in. I think I lost the book, but that's not what was important. What was important for me was even then, something told me, said, you actually don't need to write these things anymore. You were born with them. So today, as I'm sitting here now, I can tell you 50 things I think people should be doing that will make them a lot of money. Mm. It's not quick, get rich quick, it's no such a thing. But it's just too much, too much. And what I'm excited about is that I can see myself proving those things multiple times. In the last four years, you guys only know Ribi. I've actually worked with four companies, supported four companies that I think would do extremely well. One of them today has gone on to now build a network of 4,000 shops in six months. Of course, the owner of the business is solid in that space. I only supported my, contributed mm. my own little skill. Mm. But that will become one of the most important companies in the retail FMCG value chain in Nigeria in the next five years. So there's just too much to be done that people just need to be patient enough to go through the process. You have need to, to pay the price. If you need to be and build an apprentice in another man, in another company where you're going to learn the rope, 
do it. Be willing to give you your all. Make your commitment. Sir, I'll be here for three years. I'll serve you as much as you want me to serve you. But this is what I want. I want to learn this. I want to learn that. They don't now come back and now start competing with that business directly. You know, mm. for example, if it's a regional business, go to another region. Mm. You know, if it's an IP business, put your own IP in another area. There's still IP everywhere. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? But yep. that let's like there's absolutely no reason on earth today. There's no impediment for people to succeed. There's structural impediment. There's no before Jesus came, <laughs> the only way to cleanse was animal. I mean, you know, the blood of the animal. Now it's the blood of the lamb, right? What I'm saying is that there's no such impediment to success on earth today. Not anymore. There are still structural impediments, like someone that has not heard the word, someone that has not, you know, gone to a church or gone to a mosque will not become a Muslim or a Christian. Yes. But it's not because how to become is not does not exist. It's just because he hasn't encountered it. Mm-hmm. So think of that as a structural impediment, place and time but not the existential potential of that thing occurring. There's no longer any existential problem to succeeding. It doesn't exist anymore. Okay. Information now is free. Cheaper than a phone call. So what's the impediment? Nothing else. Nothing stopping you from succeeding. And what habits have you now developed daily that are helping you? Uh, I think the, the only thing that is critical for me is, uh, uh, man, habit is something else. The habit of folding my my like I can't remember if I have gone to sleep in my clothes. The clothes I worn out in a long time. Like mm. habitually. I can't remember. It's again people are different, you know. Uh, you know, or temperament. Mm-hmm. But aside that, these are habits that are co- consciously built. Um my wife still throws her clothes anyway. She wants <laughs> and I have to pick it up for her. But I, I can't do it. Mm. I have to fold it. I can hang it somewhere but just throw it the stress it creates to my brain I've, I've built myself into that place where it stresses me more mentally not to do it than mm. it stresses me physically and mentally to momentarily quickly do it so I'd rather momentarily quickly do it and suffer it once than perpetually for maybe 12 hours know that I have not done that thing. Mm. Mm. so those kind of habits are things like things I needed to do I need to do doing them mm. not kind things for so long in my mind Trying to wake up, sleep, wake up, knowing when to pause. But no matter how bad the day before was, I wake up. And that one, I think, grace comes in there. Building your mind mm. is also extremely powerful. Getting your mind to that state of mind, state state where you consciously, constantly want to just drive to the next phase, regardless of how bad the day before was. So you wake up and yeah, we, here we go again. Salami will be answering some life and other general questions shortly. Stay with us. I'm Oshaya, and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hi there. Are you an entrepreneur, celebrity, innovator, executive, creator, religious leader, sportsman, or someone who's made and is making their dreams come true and would like to share it on Origins Africa podcast? Kindly send an email to originsafricapodcast at gmail.com or reach us via any of our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Origins AF. Your origin story matters. Let's inspire hope one story at a time. If you like what you've listened to hitherto, click the subscribe button. 
For sponsorships, donations, and adverts, please send an email to originsafricapodcast at gmail.com. Also share your thoughts and feedback with us on social media pages, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at OriginsAF. Don't forget to follow us. Welcome back to Origins Africa podcast. I know looking back, you've ascribed or you have you have mentioned luck a number of times. But I'll not ask the question. Yeah. So would you ascribe your success to luck or hard work? It's both. Hmm. So everybody has a measure of luck. Like Warren Buffett will tell you, he's the luckiest man to have been born in the United States. He couldn't be said he doesn't think that you have been as successful an investor as it was, if not for the environment that the United States uh-huh. has, you know. You don't choose where you are born. So that's luck. There's still a measure of luck in everything. Um you didn't create any element. I don't know if anybody has successfully created any element. Maybe if you is oxygen, you met it that way. Hydrogen is hydrogen. You know, water is H2O. You didn't all of that is luck. So there's a measure of luck in every success. Um uh-huh. Um, but yes, so luck is, is constant. But again, remember, like I said, time and chance happen to them all. Uh-huh. If you're not swift, you will not win the race, even when your time and chance comes. If you're not strong, you will not win the battle, even when truly, truly, it is your time and your chance. So you need to prepare. You need to work hard. You need to learn. You need to study. Should I self approved? You have to do all of that. Okay. Okay. You you had also given one advice um, a few months back. Um, we had advised founders or aspiring founders to focus on the problem and not the solution. Focus on the problem and not the technology. Fall in love with the problem. Yes, fall in love with it. It's not problem. me that actually said it. I heard it from O. I don't know if, if you heard it from someone else. Oh, Moe. Interesting, okay. crazy guy. Um, but solid guy. So why is that uh, distinction necessary? Because the problem is what is important, not the solution. In the problem lies the solution, not in the solution. Uh. The solution might change. Let me put it this way. <laughs> the problem that Henry Ford solved was not a problem of a better us. The uh. us was a solution to a problem. So he uh. focused on the problem. And the problem was getting people from point A to point B in the most efficient way uh. in the shortest amount of time. Sure. So he said, if you had asked people, what do you want? They have told you a stronger, faster horse that lived longer. That was focusing on the solution. Solution. The horse is a solution. But the problem, the real problem that they wanted solved is not the problem of making their solution better. It's the problem of solving the original true problem, which is getting from point A to point B the fastest. Uh It's in focusing on the problem and not the solution that... First principle, I think is maybe first principle might help here. I need mm-hmm. to go back and finish studying that thing. Uh, Tunji Elesho uh, is the first person that kept disturbing me about first principle. Tunji Elesho is the managing partner for Good Capital. Okay. Owned by CCOB. First principle is what tell, is what allows a, an Elon Musk to come up with um, Hyperloop. I don't know if he came up with it, but to be focused on promoting problems like that. And now they, I think they're finally implementing the first commercial use of Hyperloop. It's a completely new form of transport that is faster than plane and safe and safe enough. Vacuum travel. That's what focusing on the problem and not the solution gives you. When you focus on the problem, it allows you to think in the original mind. It allows you to go in the thinking along, along first principles. First principles is like, um, first principle is what 
first principle is the difference between clean energy and you know clean renewable energy and something like coal. Because what we want is electricity. Electricity in itself is good. The source of electricity can be bad. But if you focus on just the you know the solution that exists, you keep thinking maybe just to make the energy cleaner. No, yeah. it might be that you need to change the source of energy completely and go to the sun instead of in, to crude oil. So that's what you know um, focusing on the problem. That's why focusing on the problem is better than focusing on the solution. Okay. You keep thinking solution, solution. Ah, how do I make this app better? Maybe they don't even need an app at all. But you only get to that point if you focus long enough on the problem itself and not that fancy solution that you are building. Uh, okay. You also mentioned somewhere that it's very important to not underestimate or overestimate your business as both of them are extremely dangerous. So... So, yes, 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 so yes, yes. What does it mean so far? Where did you take <laughs> all this thing from? The research. <laughs> Underestimating uh, lets you sell yourself short in okay. several ways. Um, you know, like underestimating for me. If I, if I, before now, I mean, what I see for Ruby today, ah man, mind blowing, mind blowing. That wasn't what I was seeing in 2012. Right, so if I've over underestimated myself, if there's uh-huh. anything like that, like, but I didn't overestimate, but I didn't underestimate too much. But I, I think it was still underestimated uh-huh. five years ago. So uh-huh. I'm saying, there's no cap. Don't, don't build yourself a cap. Don't say, ah, this is where it stops. I want to build this up. That's the end. <laughs> the Ruby vision can be a country that, like, it can get there if, if we push. Uh-huh. There's nothing stopping us from buying an island and. Five million people go and live on the island and fully express what we are talking about. That's how not underestimate yourself can become so powerful. I'd never thought about it that way mm-hmm. until maybe last year. What of overestimation? Now, overestimating yourself too early is, <laughs> bros. You never even get product. You don't say your valuation at two million dollars. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no IP, no patent, no innovation, nothing. But mm. your own idea, your your idea, last song, just the thought of it in your head, $2 million in the bank, well done, sir. That's overestimation. It could express itself in different ways. Okay. Talking so big when there's nothing on paper. I'm happy that you know, a friend of mine, same job man. When when we started, we had to spoke about Ruby a bit, you know, one thing led to the other. And he looked at what we are doing, like, ah, Lord, there's nothing here yet now. <laughs> Do you understand? Like, that was good for me that a friend of mine could say, oh, bros, Cosino, come back. There's nothing mm. here. There's, you don't have anything. It was harsh. And I kind of felt like I didn't get it. I was even hungry. Ah, is it because he's now saying me there's nothing there? Something I've been working on for a long time. But truly, truly, looking back, Baba, there was nothing there. Maybe two, three pages of, you know, app or four pages. Nothing. Nothing there. Mm. But I thought there was something. Mm. That's also another example of overestimation. Mm. Interesting. So if you were to send a message to yourself 10 yeah. years ago, what would you tell the younger Salami? Learn faster. But keep going. You're on the path. That's all. That's Thank all I'll tell him. <laughs> What's oh, yeah, enjoy a bit more. Yeah. Don't uh-huh. worry, it'll be fine. Chill. Mm, yeah. Interested. Many first people keep I, to be saying I, that. Like, I didn't go to parties. I don't, like, the first time I went to a party was, like, I really wanted to, oh, ah. My mantra then was, party, 
Party after party of what? <laughs> what are we part? What have I done in my life that I'm party? What have mm. I used my life to do? Bigger, bigger, bigger. First time I entered a club was 2016 or 2014 or 2015. It wasn't for lack of being able to do party. Mm. Even till now, I still suffer from that problem. I don't do birthdays. Like it's, it makes me uncomfortable. Being the when center of try, attention. When people try to do birthdays for me, like. Mm. It's so bad that this year I had to beg my people and say, babe, hey, my wife has gone to plan something. I just had to, you know, enjoy the day. Mm. That's how bad it was. So yes, I will send myself a message and say, chill, chill. Enjoy the moment. Just a little. No, I not the moment. That one I did. I enjoyed mm. everything. Okay. I, I let that one live in the moment. Mm. That thing is so real. Ah, that's one of, that's why I say I was lucky. If you guys don't understand what I mean by I'm, I'm lucky, ha. Huh? I watched the right movies. I got the right inspiration. I listened to the right people. Of course, mistakes here and there. It wasn't like all perfect. One of those things I learned was living in the moment. I think it was this movie I saw at the time, Click. Oh, okay. I had this remote. Sanders, Sanders, Sandlass or something. Adam Sanders. I like that guy. His movies make sense. Became a fabulous architect. Blah, blah, blah. How did he become it? You know, it was a dream. He said, I went to bed and beyond. Press this remote. Remote was fast forwarding his life. And then he was the biggest, one of the biggest architects in the world. He had built what you know today as things like Burj Al Arab, Burj Khalifa, uh-huh. Eiffel Tower, everything that was important. He was the number one architect in the world. But now he was big. Well, he hardly had time for his kids, everything. And then he was in the hospital in the 70s. He couldn't even attend his son's wedding. The son had finished the wedding. They came to see him in the hospital. The son was receiving a phone call. He had to cancel his honeymoon. And he couldn't talk. He removed everything. The son had now left. You know, his wife had said, no problem. She understands. The guy removed all the drift from his body, ran to his son in the rain and said, go for that honeymoon. That business deal will wait. Don't throw your life. I threw my life away. Don't throw your life away chasing one thing or the other. Just it is part of life. You have to enjoy both. So things like that, you're lucky when you're able to, you know. So that, for example, fully absorbed me into the moment. When I was in university, I couldn't wait to leave. I couldn't wait to leave and be doing what, what I, you know, for example, what, I, what I've been doing pretty much for the last 10 plus years because I didn't want this distraction of school. That it was for me, it was a distraction, it was a necessity. Uh, but I now learned living in the moment. So that's why I said it's not living in the moment. Uh, I know how to live in the moment. <laughs> the only problem is that the moment did not include enjoying. <laughs> I, okay. I can't remember the, the time I can't remember any time recently that I've ever wished that I was younger or older in fact I wish to extend every year I wish one year can be three years I wish I could be 33 for three years and then 34 for three years and then 35 for three years I'm not in a hurry to be 70 mm-hmm. I don't want to be 22 all over again I just want to be this each year I want it to be longer I don't want the year before not the year after I don't want the success before, the failure before, or the success to come. I want that a bit, you know, but you, know, you want to aspire, but uh. I am in every moment. And then this other movie, I've forgotten the movie. There are two other movies like that. One was about an athlete. Okay. You know, that, you know, all these uh, acrobatic kind of athletes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He also taught being in the moment, like to excel in your sport when Bolt is running. Usain Bolt is running. It's not thinking about his wife. It's not thinking about what he wants to do. No, nothing. The only thing in his head is that 100 meters. Uh. Everything else stripped away completely. It's almost as if he's speed. Uh. That's been in the moment. 
when an, when a musician, a pianist is playing that song, they almost feel like they are no longer a physical being. Uh-huh. I think that that kind of in the moment, yeah, you're you're that they're, they're like music notes themselves. Maybe Beethoven when he's composing, like that is being in the moment and enjoying the moment. And everybody needs to you have to have that. You need to find that serenity. Uh, These are things I think some you know, like Asians are trying to put into their culture, all these, their yoga, uh, all those things. Uh, okay. Very spiritual, very important. But this, that, so that's what I mean by being uh, like being. I, I know how to be in the moment. Okay. The one I didn't know how to do was enjoy life. And okay. Of course, not enjoy it too much. What are your blind sides? The moments when you felt that, the moments when you felt that, okay, I am, I am not so good at this thing. Uh, there are many things I'm not good at, though, like managing people. Mm. Uh, man, that's why I don't want to be CEO for long. <laughs> Say distraction, it's an unnecessary distraction for my objective because I'm not that good at it. Mm. So I I don't want to do it for long. What I want to do is solve the problem. Okay, I don't have to be CEO to do that. The CEO runs, executes the mandates of a company. Uh-huh. What I want to be is CPO, Chief Problem Solver. I only care about the problem. I care about the people. In fact, part of Ruby's mission is for the people. Uh-huh. But I only want to be involved in the integrities of that problem. And I don't think it's selfish, too selfish. It's selfish. It's, there's nothing bad in me selfish. But I don't think it's too selfish. It requires a, a desire. I don't know how. Like, there's certain things I don't know. How to, I just want to be fixated on designing the product, talking to the customer, knowing how to get it out to them and for them to use it. That's all I don't want to do. I don't want to worry about training the talent, hiring the talent, compensating the talent, keeping everybody happy. Can someone else please do that? <laughs> That's part of my blind side. I love people, by the way. I love mm. people, especially people that work hard. Mm. I love hardworking people. Okay. Uh, so it's not the problem of not loving people. It's not a problem of emotional intelligence. So what are some of your best books of all time? I know you mentioned Richard's Man of Babylon. Yeah. Yeah, that. That's the only one I, I can think of. There are several other exciting books. But that one stands or, out. Or movies like In Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. Um, or like um, Blue Ocean. Or like uh, Good to Great. Okay. Uh, so many fantastic books. And mm. these are all fantastic books. But I think one of the books, one of the things the world needs the most is the principle of the richest man in Babylon. Because that principle says, for example, if you want to, if you have to throw 10 stones into a river, one every day, you literally have to go to the river one every day. If you, you can't get tired on the third day and throw the mini seven. Do you understand? The world needs to go green now. We need to go green, bros. There's no, Abby, there's no argument. There's nothing else. You just have to go green. Like, I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. Like, if only we could fully express the things in that mm. book, like, do not invest money with an astrologer who wants to be who wants to invest in goats go and look for a shepherd okay do you understand so that's why I love the book it's so especially the dramatized version it's so simple so concise and so powerful for life that I think you know there's no one size fits all but that's one of the most important book of all time if the world can fully implement it the world will be a better place one productivity tool or software you use every day? WhatsApp. <laughs> Interested. Many people would have thought it was a form of distraction. For most people, it is. Mm. For me, it's 
the thing that allows me to be in multiple places at the same time. Mm. My number one work tool. People don't like it. Most people don't like it. If I hated it okay. at the beginning. Yeah, so maybe if I'm able to replace Slack with it, yeah, mm. maybe we we'll then say Slack because then it has multiple integration. But today it's WhatsApp. Communication, because communication is one of my biggest jobs as a mm. CEO. Uh, I have to communicate to people, check on people. Has this been done? Has this been done? And I see these guys, you know. So that's my most important tool today. But the most important business tool I think has ever been created is Excel, Microsoft Excel. It's almost incredible what you could do with Excel. Okay. What advice would you give the audience? Just do it. Like <laughs> Nike. Just do it. Mm. Clear mind, pray. I pray that you get it. I pray that you get a clear mind. I pray you have a clear vision of where you're going. Once you do, don't stop. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, passion, DNA, and um, money. You need to have the right passion. It needs to be in your blood. Like, you need to be designed for it. Mm. You can have a passion to run, and you know it's in both. But you will not be the best. Don't try to become a career runner. So you have to have the right passion, you have to have the DNA for it, and you need, it needs to be able to make money, mm. to make a livable income, livelihood. If you're, if you're in the center of those three things, okay, just do it. If you were in my shoes, what would you ask yourself that I didn't? What does that mean? So what would you have asked yourself if you were the one interviewing oh, you that I haven't asked yet? Okay, maybe is there anything that um, I wish had happened in my journey that didn't? Okay. Yeah, so what do I wish had happened in my journey? I, I actually wish it, it needs, I, I think it needs to exist. The world needs to go back to the apprenticeship model. Okay. That's one thing I think the world needs to go back to. The world needs to go back. I wish I had someone unholding me through the entire process. Like right. I'm doing for some project or some of our investment or our partnerships mm. now. That's one thing that is still significantly lacking. Okay. People make mouth on it, but they don't really do it. Mm-hmm. But I think the world needs to go back to apprentice. The way Warren Buffett talks about um, Benjamin Graham, I think that's the name of the guy. He's mm-hmm. investment god at the time. Mm-hmm. Or Fosa and Christensen. Like the world needs to go back to apprenticeship. I think we need to do that. I think we need to go back to Just mentoring or bringing up younger Not people. Not mentoring, real apprenticeship. The way apprenticeship works, the way the Igbos do it today, where they show you the rope, this is how to do this, what to do. No, don't do this yet, you know. They will be perfect, they will still be, you know, but I think that that will create more successes. Okay. Yeah, that's the one thing that is still missing significantly. Mm. A lot of investors today, a lot of VC firms, a lot of people that are in VC or people that operate VCs have never been entrepreneurs. Um uh, so they don't even know what to really do to support the entrepreneur beyond just money it's not uh, only money it's money uh, and many things money do does a lot of magic uh, but not all the magic okay who would you like me to interview next I think you should interview Laolu ESL okay Laolu yeah. is another fantastic entrepreneur I'm happy of how he's finally cracked the rock and milk is flowing out of the rock for, uh, for him uh, but it's been Longer journey than most entrepreneurs will be able to survive. 2009. 2009, Lalu was presenting to CBN for a non, a no objection approval. 2009, before there was even FinTech. You know, and now uh, quite excited. They're doing really well. Okay. Um, okay. We'll keep in, that in, in mind. In the turn of a decade, a decade after staying that long, 
Sometimes okay. can't pay salary for so long. So yeah, Laulu, you definitely should interview Laulu. That's Apolores Salami. He's the CEO of Rebe. Thanks so much for listening to our show this week. You can subscribe at wherever you get your podcast, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, amongst others. And whilst you're there, please do give us a review. You can also write to us at originsafricapodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to send a tweet, it's at originsaf. We would love to hear from you about how we're doing and where you'd like us to improve. Our show was produced this week by Tomishi Ajani, whilst the theme song was composed by Just Rutimi. I'm Oshaya, and you've been listening to Origins Africa podcast. Join us next time as we have a chat with Temi Giwatsubosu, the CEO and founder of LifeBank. My name is Temi Giwatsubosu. I'm the founder and CEO of LifeBank. So then I went to CCO and told them, you know, I've spoken to some hospitals. They liked it. They thought it could work. Um, you know, will you practice? And they said, yes. Just like that? Just like that. But there is a price to pay. Thanks so much for listening to Origins Africa podcast. Bye for now.